Welcome to Stories in Bold. I'm Luke McGinty, and this is Apollo. The sun god was not particularly bright, but he was stubborn. And to the constant annoyance of the rest of them, he was also at the center of everything. I've made up my mind, he said with determined aloofness. I don't understand, said the goddess of wisdom. This is incredibly short-sighted. I disagree, said the sun god. On the contrary, I'm concerned I'm the only one truly thinking in the long term. The whole pantheon waited, and a few moments of dead air fell across them. No one dared to interrupt before the sun was finished speaking. Then, finally, walk me through it one more time, said the god of war. The sun god smiled, and it was true there was a warmth there among his smile but also a horrible, gleaming brilliance, like a flash too strong could blind even a god, or in an instant, with a flicker of will, extinguish all you ever had been or could hope to dream you might be. He was a thing of beauty and of terror. Now he spoke with a dangerous purpose. Don't you see? They've failed us. He said. Down on earth they dance and they feud and they bicker, make their little wars and lives of little meaning. Nothing of significance at all, such petty little things. It's time we finally acknowledge what we've done. So let us be clear and speak clear. We have failed, my friends. But now the greatest failure of all would be to continue on in blind and knowing ignorance of the truth. That we have failed. Our creations, these humans, the people of earth, they are nothing but a stain, a waste, and a ruin. I say we burn them all. It would only take a moment. Just a moment. I... Surge. I burn. And I burn them all. And then we start again. The room was silent as the gods considered the prospect of a brief and permanent deluge of flame. I'm right, said the sun god. Goddess Earth, help me. You know I'm right. We've done it before. So many times. And life always comes back. It returns new and stronger and better in every way. So why not again? The goddess of Earth had been circumspect and now was looking down at her feet. Coincidentally, of all the gods, she alone went barefoot. There was an energy, an optimism about her. Normally. Now, however, she seemed a being of deep and serious focus. There would be death, she spoke low. But you are right, there would be life too, afterwards. And maybe even more life. I love them at first, the humans. They are the first thing we ever made that could think and build for themselves. But their greed. They're too hungry.
I think. If we do as you say, they would die. And most of the rest of life would die too. But the world itself would survive. And in time, there could be new life. Maybe something more. And better. The sun god shone proud and looked from face to face. Wisdom still showed skepticism. He met her gaze, and she knew to speak. What if they're the best we ever have? She said, her voice low and clear and strong and without doubt. They are imperfect, but they are also unique. Earth said it herself. They think, they build, they strive to understand. We here are the manifestation of the universe. And they are the first time the universe has ever looked in at itself and wondered, Why? Why am I here? And what should I do now that I have been given the gift of life? I will dare to say it. They are better than the fish and the rocks and the birds and the waves. They dream of more. And even their doubt... Their fear, their jealousy, these are things that we ourselves as gods can never know. In that way, at least, they are greater even than us. And should we choose your path of fire, we cannot know if the thing that comes next will ever dare to equal their wonder. Your petty love is blind wisdom. They do not dream enough, said the god of wonder. All they do is sit around and waste their lives. All the progress they ever make is in pursuit of greed and war. Yes, what about war? The god of war asked with evident self-concern. He was a new god in the scope of things, the product of mankind, in fact. At first he had been small and little worth concern. Squabbles among tribes and the like had birthed him. Then, as time grew and the passions of man increased in cruelty and desperation, war had become strong and proud and horrible. Some believed he thought himself equal to the sun. And then this greatest, most recent war among men had been the most grotesque of all. On earth they called it the Second World War. And in fact, its brutality had birthed a strange new deity, the god of extermination. He lingered, still sickly and strange, at the edge of the room. He did not speak, never had, for he had no want of words or understanding. He was all eyes and hands and drooping skin, the manifestation of gas chambers and fireballs. The older gods did not like him, but he was there, birthed from the nothing by the whims and hates of mankind. And even if extermination ever did speak on this current argument, they need not ask his opinion. The death of all mankind would be his single great desire. What about war? said the sun god. War is inevitable. 
now that it's here, it will never leave the earth again. You may rest for a time, and I know all of us would like a rest from this eternity, but whatever life comes next on earth, it will have war. You can be sure of that. Greed is a constant. And look now on this strange thing they do, their cold war. A war without conflict, a war without blood. It may go on forever. And what then of you, my friend, war? Is it not better to start again and to find in a few years' time some new life there that does not lack the courage to wage real war? The god of war sat, strong and tall still, but getting flabby now. He was sick of all the waiting. He gave the sun a solemn nod of the head. And that alone was almost enough. They knew that all of this, the whole conversation, was just a fit of ceremony. They could squabble and disagree, fight out their little arguments as if they were short-lived humans themselves. But really, nothing any of them said or did here would matter. Not against that glorious will. The brutal and desperate, blinding strength of the sun. He would do whatever he wanted. He closed his eyes and breathed deep, opened them with a horrible stare, and then, just before he would surge with heat and furious finality, he saw a pale white hand raised in silent, muted opposition. What now? It was the moon, the goddess of the moon small and quiet against his boisterous brilliance. They were a strange pair, two ancient things in contrast and opposition. And yet he had known her almost as long as he had known himself. A kind and gentle whisper in the dark eternity of night. And company is a precious thing to a god. What is it? he said more quietly this time. For as long as the moon had known the sun, she had spoken quietly, slowly, gently, with a simple wonder and curiosity that said she did not mean to oppose him, knew she could not, but only hoped that maybe, barely, when she spoke she just might change his mind. And even now she knew not to voice the emotion behind her opposition. She knew it wouldn't matter. But she had lived close to the earth, far closer than the sun could ever be. She knew the planet well as it turned and changed and lived all the time. Even now, these past few years, as it grew blinking lights and aspirations of its own, she had come to love the life and wanting change of this pale blue dot. Now here at the edge of earth's destruction she gazed down one last time and saw a miracle rising from its rocky surface she spoke a single word proud and true and doubtless that single word of rebellion the bravest moment in all her history 
And even still, the simple sight of that miracle was more than she could ever hope to say. Look! And they did. All of them, these gods, the collective embodiment of the universe and the things man had made, they looked and they saw as a line of fire arced high above the continents and up across the seas, through the air, above the clouds, on and into the atmosphere, and even there, beyond the edge of everything man had right to know, even there, that line of brilliant fire pushed on into the dark, on above the horizon, on past reason, on towards the promise of the unknown. There was a little ship of men, those desperate, greedy little things, here beyond their way and past any justification. Here they were, dreamers in the face of eternity and annihilation, a little ship of men, hell-bent on progress and the promise of another world. The moon smiled as she saw them make their way, a line of crimson smoke, billowing amidst the dark of empty space. Finally, she would touch the spark of life she'd seen from afar for so long. And all the rest of the gods, too. They stood transfixed at the reckless pride of these mere mortal bones. And even the sun saw there in the glorious fire a reflection of himself a drive to be greater than any could ever ask. He smiled, too, and watched as the children of Earth dared to cross the heavens. <laughs> Maybe there was hope for them still. Hello, hello! You just heard Apollo, and this is, of course, Stories in Bold. I'm your host, Luke McGinty. It is also the year 2022. I mention that only because the previous seven episodes of this podcast have been re-releases, I would say. Hopefully you did not know that, but this is in many ways, the first new piece of content. Uh, I hate the word content, but the first new piece of writing I have put out in probably almost two years at this point. And uh, I think in some ways it's a story of its time. So Apollo, right? I've learned, by the way, from listening back and re-uploading all these things, not to make any promises about productivity or timing. It just makes things sound weird. So hopefully as little of that as possible in this and going forward. But this story, Apollo, I like this one. This was, again, a example of a story that just sort of arose, arrived. I don't know exactly my correct verbiage here, but it, it sort of just appeared in my brain. And um, that's sort of always a, a beautiful thing. I think in some ways it leads to my strange style, which probably is the style what arises when you <laughs> refuse to edit. <laughs> I would imagine someone who is an actual creative writer would say, you know, why are you using so many adjectives? Personally, I like a good adjective every now and again. And um, I know that uh, 
I had a creative writing professor once who mentioned, you know, hey, if you have a, a good description of something, just do that. You don't need to write it, you know, three or four different descriptions of the same thing. Uh, but for me personally, I'm like, yeah, but what about all these fun metaphors? I mean, I enjoy them. Hopefully someone else will too. So I always tend to have a little bit of a rambling end or a, maybe a bit of grandiosity. But for this story, that feels sort of apropos, I think, um, enjoyable for me to write a pantheon of gods. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, my generation the last few decades grew up with reading the uh, the Percy Jackson books or bare minimum grew up uh, loving Greek mythology. I always think there's something very interesting, very engaging about something about the humanness of the gods, um, especially as someone who was raised uh, with sort of solemn modern religion where God, capital G, God, is this uh, very perfect, uh, you know, deification, the Godhead, right? Greek gods aren't like that. They're human. They come down to earth and they have affairs and they, they you know, dress up as human beings so they can have a war every now and again. And Zeus turns into a goose at one point, which I just realized is a rhyme for some reason, although fickle because it would only be an, a rhyme in English. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Zeus and Goose, and uh, you'll get an interesting little Wikipedia page there. But there's something very fun about the humanized gods. And for me, there is obviously an interesting thing going on here with the naming and the fact that the main villain slash protagonist of the story is the sun god. And when the story is titled Apollo and the opening line is you know, the sun god was not particularly bright. I think the implication is you go, oh, this is Apollo, and you maybe wonder what happened to Zeus. Um, but that was actually not my intention. And funnily enough, when I wrote the story, I didn't have the title at first. I think I just had the, the opening line, something about a sun god and the idea that he wanted to destroy Earth because he was disappointed. And I think uh, here in 2022, you know, a lot of us have this feeling as well of, oh, man, what are we doing here? What is civilization? Uh, I don't want to get too much into it. But I, there's a, a sort of a desperate nihilism that is very in vogue at the moment. And the idea of uh, an all-powerful god, sort of the old-fashioned sun god uh, of many religions that is the big god and everyone else is second, basically looking down and saying, you know what? Screw it. Let's start over. Um, there's something about that that felt very human. Um, and interestingly enough, I think when I first had the idea, the premise was not actually necessarily that the setting was going to be during the Cold War. My instinct was not that this was going to be uh, exactly how it ended up. I think actually for me, when I wrote this story a few months back, I was in sort of a, a rough spot as an individual. I think we all know um, what it's like when you're feeling down, you're feeling uh, a lack of purpose, a lack of validation, um, a lack of self-worth, right? We all go through those phases. Surprising, I know, to those of you who uh, listen to me talking to myself and listening to my own voice that, you know, I think we're all human. And um, I was going through a, a bit of a rough patch and feeling like some people didn't uh, value me and I didn't value myself. And the initial premise or pearl of the story was actually going to be that it took place in sort of like ancient times. 
and that the sun god was going to look down and basically see a you know a sun worshiper event that was a bunch of people either you know burning effigies or having a parade or something and you know this very petty fickle god character who in the reading i I sort of tried to channel homelander from the boys that sort of scary all-powerful egoistic but very needy sort of thing going on and that he then would see you know oh they love me and i'm great and you know that was really the moment is like hey you know uh, this feeling this very in some ways more narrow and basic and simpler feeling of like hey uh, appreciation and and love are very powerful things and that um, you know I think that was sort of the initial instinct was coming from this feeling of "Eh, why not who knows what's going on and then recognizing the power of affirmation and acknowledgement and um, all of those positive uh, words that begin with the letter A. <laughs> and um, interestingly enough, I do think that I like where it ended up ultimately. I mean, that's where I put in the edit. But this was, again, an example of I had that initial idea. And then when you actually sit down to write, you never know exactly where you're going to end up. And it ended being, you know, having this dialogue of the sun god and wisdom and earth and then you bring in war, and I thought, oh, war, and how does he get there? And then, oh, Second World War feels very natural. And then you get to the god of extermination, which I thought was kind of a fun little creepy goblin monster, melty boy in the corner that's just, um, you know, this gross manifestation of modern evil. And that you have all these characters bouncing off each other in this moment that is the recent past. Uh, when humanity was on the brink and was sort of in the midst of the worst things it could do. Um, And having, you know, this dialogue play out in that context was sort of interesting and unexpected, and it it felt like it lended itself to that. Um, And then ultimately, for me, I know it is a bit uh, cliche, but I've always been someone who is really inspired by the moon landings, by space exploration, modern stuff, you know, SpaceX and all that is in some ways interesting, less so, I think, than the initial thing where there is this risk and this danger. If you've ever seen the movie First Man um, with uh, Ryan Gosling, I was trying to remember which Ryan it is, but um, there's something very scary about how early the technology is, and it, it is not a certain thing, it's not a sure thing that we'll be able to get there. And you get the feeling that these early people, the scientists and the astronauts, are pioneers. And it's risky and it's dangerous and it's, it's bold. Um, and there's something very motivational and beautiful about that. And I've always been drawn to the Apollo moment, the first moonshot, the literal moonshot. And there's something about that that to me is very human. It's, it's very beautiful and unique and... Maybe a, a moment of um, brute technological aspiration and discovery that might never be mirrored again. It was sort of this very unique moment where you could just sort of brute force <laughs> a huge innovation. And so I think for me, when I ended up in this dialogue among the gods about humanity and our value, and um, and for me being in sort of a rough spot as an individual, then leaning on what is the best of us? What are the things that make us worth it? And 
you know, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, I think you'll probably have the uh, feeling that I'm a bit of a sap. I'm a bit of a, uh, uh, you know, some of these stories have ended on rough spots, but I am someone who really does believe in humanity and, and human purpose. And um, particularly in the idea that as an individual, you have a purpose and you have a unique, maybe not destiny is too strong of a word, but a unique life to live and the highest thing that you can pursue is to give it your all and to do the most you can with the time you're given. And I think some of these stories, especially having re-listened to them, um, you know, the lonely entertainer is definitely about that. Um, on the hunt absolutely is about, you know, a guy in a weird position finding his calling or what he thinks is his calling and makes him happy, which is really what more can you want than that? And ultimately, this story is, a, is sort of that same arc, which I hope I don't get too repetitive here, who knows, um, for the whole planet. It's the planet at the edge of um, a rough day, simply put, winning over the universe, proving that it is of value to the universe and that, hey, you know, maybe we do have a shot here. I mean, I, I had fun writing this, and hopefully you had fun listening to it. I don't know if uh, we're going to get more of a foray into the stories in bold pantheon of gods. In my head, my headcanon, the uh, god of wisdom is some goddess of wisdom is some manifestation or version or cousin, I don't know, of, of the uh, the god by the lake in the uh, the first story, the whole story. At least for me, the voice was similar. And so, uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe um, there's something I find interesting about gods as characters and humanity in contrast to that. Um, I've learned my lesson about making promises about future podcasts and, you know, rapidity of releases. But, you know, hey, I put the time to re-release the old stuff and record this. And I really enjoy um, putting these out for you guys. And I will say this, it's been a very enjoyable experience having people respond to these who've never seen them. If you're a re-listener, thank you so much. If you're a new listener, uh, I'm very happy to have you. And there are people who have actually emailed me, and I will have you know that you emailers are my favorite people in the world. So if you want to shoot me an email, whether I know you or not, uh, you can email me at theradicalbalance at gmail.com. And you can read this story and others at storiesinbold.com. I did buy that domain. Thank you very much. So, and uh, my name again is Luke McGinty. You can find me online as my socials are at McGinty Live pretty much everywhere. And of course, I mean, I have to be cringy and be the podcaster who asks. If you like the show, please, uh, you know, rate it and review it. Recommend it to friends. I say, you know, send them a, a link with a story that you like. Or, you know, if you find something that, you know, really draws you in. If you want to post it to your social, feel free. Uh, I think that more often the thing I believe is if there's a story I've written that you really liked and you think a friend of yours would like, just say, hey, I think you'd like this. I think in person or uh, over a text is always a little more valuable and direct. So um, thanks again for listening and thank you for being here. Thank mm-hmm. you.